Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast, where we stare fixedly at Blizzard games, never allowing them a moment's peace. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Rossi, and with me this week are two just fantastic, literally cosmic ray-exposed, gained superpowers on the space flight fantastic co-hosts. Uh, first up, I think she's probably got the power of like hitting you with words until you pass out, Anne Stickney. Anne, how you been? That would be an unfortunate superpower, considering I write for a living. Well, like you could control it. I'm not assuming that you just rant. You have to do it. I'm just saying, if someone came in, like you know, <laughs> now, Wordsmith, I will destroy you. You like hit him with words. Wordsmith. Yeah, that's a yeah. good superhero name. Yeah, I, I should totally write the Blizzard Watch comic, but that's not you important should. right now. <laughs> so, anything going on? Anything interesting? Um, not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, let's see. What did I do? Oh, I discovered I discovered snow yesterday. I had the annual go up on the Grand Mesa and try and find snow with my father trip. You d- was, you discovered snow for the first just, time ever? We discovered snow on the Discovery Trail, which wasn't really a trail so much as it was a wall of snow, which was great. <laughs> See, here, like, it's been, like, 14 degrees every day, like, 14 degrees Celsius, obviously, so, th- like, like, talking 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. And yet this morning when we woke up, it had snowed. Yep. So I had snow in my front yard. Yeah, it snowed like, I think it was March 30th. Yeah, it's still snowing up here, but oh, yet it's warm enough. Like a it week ago, it snowed like a week ago. It was gone by the end of the day, which was great. But it stuck up on the mountain. So there's like, there's probably going to be snow on that mountain until sometime in June, I'm guessing. Which is yeah. good. Cause, I, you know, I have friends who live in Boston. Yeah. Do you know what happened to them? They got snow for like two days straight. Oh, jeez. This week, yeah. <laughs> See, it's been like that. Um, also, Set this is Saturday. Yeah, no, let me introduce you. I'm let introducing me myself. You. No, okay, no, let me introduce you, please. I Fine. live to introduce you. Uh, he's editor in chief, and you just heard him talk, so I don't need to introduce him, but I'm doing it anyway because it's my job. Alex Zebart, go with your story. Hi. Uh, here on Saturday in Milwaukee, the day started out very cold. It snowed early in the morning. The sun came out, it hit 60 degrees, all the snow melted and evaporated. Beautiful spring day. By uh, 1 in the afternoon, it got dark, it snowed again, and by 4 o'clock, the sun came out, the snow melted and evaporated. So we had two or three seasons multiple times in one day. Yeah, I don't I don't like what we've done to the environment. <laughs> it's coincidence, Alex. While we were driving up on the mountain, we got stuck behind this person with a Wisconsin license plate who was driving very, very slow. I think they've uh, never seen mountains mountain? before. Yeah, we don't have those here. Yeah, I don't think oh. they knew where they were is going. Aren't you the land of lakes or is that Minnesota? That's Minnesota. Okay, yeah, I can never tell which one is what. Uh, I think one of Milwaukee's catchphrases is a great city on a great lake, like a singular lake. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're, you are right on the Great Lakes. Yeah. 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 Run, we're right on Lake Michigan. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so that's 
yeah, the weather's is crazy, and we're having thunder, snow, and I just I don't know anymore. I just I do not even know. But uh, as is usually the case, now now we usually talk about top stories. Um, I'm assuming both Alex and Anne are going to chime in with others because I could only think of one, namely that the new Hearthstone expansion, uh, Whispers of the Old Gods, is going to be out by April 26th. Probably. And, uh, probably. And uh, the reason that I'm interested in this is because. This is the first. This expansion is pretty seriously old god oriented, which I'm interested in, especially since it's the first time we're ever going to get a look at some of them. Although they're not canon, so don't get too ex- attached to that picture of Nzoff that they finally gave us. Uh, every time I say Nzoff, I feel like I'm saying Mbop. Like Nzoff. Is it an extended N or is it just Nzoff? I thought it was Nzoff. I thought it's Nzoff because there's an apostrophe. I think See, there's a problem. multiple ends for it to be Nzoff. I no, heard I cause... heard Metzen say it once, and he said Nizoth. Okay, you need to take that apostrophe out, because that's a glottal stop. And once you see the apostrophe, you have to kind of try to make a clicking sound in Look, your throat. nobody even thinks about that. They just go, I... oh, you know what yeah. would be have great you... in this word? Putting an apostrophe there. Have you looked at where they use apostrophes in World of Warcraft? Yeah, that's one of the reasons I can't pronounce a bloody thing. Because <laughs> I'm always trying to go like, you know, <laughs> Who um, was kale, it? I want to say... I want to yeah. say it was Patrick Weeks. He was one of the, he's one of the writers for uh, Bioware for Dragon Age. Um, he posted on Twitter about this like last week or something. He said something about being guilty of going, "Oh wow, you know that looks really great on paper with all those apostrophes in it," without actually thinking about how to, it would be pronounced. Yeah, like yeah. it's just, "Oh, that looks like a really pretty word." Yeah, when don't was- think about what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was in college, I had a friend who actually was from Nairobi. Yeah. And he was the one who taught me, you know, that's a glottal stop. If you make that sound, like, a glottal stop is literally like a sound. Like, I can't do it, like, because English almost has none. Uh, but it's basically, like, if you see the N apostrophe Zoth like that, you're supposed to go Zoth. Like, you're supposed to try and throw that in there. And that's, you know, I, most people don't know that, like, most English speakers, because we don't have them. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, you see it ends off. You go off or whatever. So yeah, but, but that's why I'm excited because I want like if you've seen the card in question, you see it's the, very which, pretty. It's pretty and oh 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. I think it's the same artist that did the Yogg-Saron painting. Hmm. I Could don't be. know. The the style looks very similar. Uh, one of the things is that it definitely the the image in question makes him look very much like uh. He, it, I think he's the origin of the faceless ones. He looks like it's, it, yeah. Yeah, he looks like a really big faceless one. So, yeah. and that's not good. Faceless ones are terrifying. But yeah, the whole thing was, I'm, I'm interested just for more old god stuff. I'm also kind of interested in like, where are they going to go from here with Hearthstone? They've kind of, like, have they done? A, they haven't done a Legion expansion yet, have they? Like a I mean, They're pretty much doing whatever, though. I mean, like, they have the the League of Explorers adventure pack, and nobody really expected them to do that. They were just like, oh, it'll be like Naxxramas. They'll do another World of Warcraft raid. Like, nope, we're doing League of Explorers. And it was just completely different. So what the Hearthstone team will do is what the Hearthstone team will do. Uh, They do wacky stuff. They do, which is pretty cool. Um, Any other top stories before we move on to emails? Yes, uh, hello on Sunday. We got the next Overwatch animated short. Before that, uh, the thing to remember with these Hearthstone expansions is the way they write them. And this is something I think Ben Brode said publicly. Hearthstone exists as a card game within World of Warcraft. Yep. So this old Whispers of the Old Gods, you're supposed to look at it as if somebody within Azeroth made it. So that's why you get cards like Ragnaros the Light Lord. We have Ragnaros becoming a paladin. Like, that's not Warcraft canon. It's something that somebody within Azeroth thought would be a cool <laughs> They're like, ha I'm going to make that card. See, I'm They're thinking whoever go, whoever thinking? writes Hearthstone is in the League of Explorers then. Because I don't think most people in Azeroth know who Ragnaros is. This card comes out and they're like, who is this big Bernie guy? He looks like a paladin to me. Finley. Whatever. Finley is the one that's done all of these. Yeah. He's the it's... secret author. He does it. Could be. Time. Anyway, and you were talking about the, the short? Yeah. Uh, the next Overwatch animated short came out on Sunday. Uh, it's called Alive and it involved Widowmaker and Tracer and a lot of stuff that went down. And I'm wondering what you guys thought of it. I liked it way better than Recall. See, so much better than the Winston shorts. See, see, here's the thing. I don't think I don't think that's a fair comparison. 
uh, because the recall short is almost like you yourself pointed out that the recall short exists to basically introduce people. Yep. And, uh, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think I, I completely agree with you. That it's not a fair comparison, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> I liked this better. See, I thing is, is I like Winston better. Like I don't, I feel nothing for Widowmaker. She makes me feel nothing. I, as a character, she's a big nothing. Which is only appropriate, because appropriate. she, in turn, feels nothing. Yeah, <laughs> she just doesn't... I am not interested in Widowmaker, and quite frankly, I'm going to be the one to say this. I'm done with Tracer. Oh. She's overdone. I've seen too much of her. I've heard too much of her. I've heard too much about her. Which is amazing for a character who hasn't had a short <laughs> or anything yet, but people won't shut up about Tracer. To the point where like, I was like, you know, I'm really glad we had a short about the gorilla. At least now I know how the gorilla sounds when he talks. He's I mean, not a, he's not a gorilla. He's a scientist. <laughs> well, he's both. He can be, he's a gorilla scientist. You can't take that away from him. That'd be like saying you're not a human. You're a scientist. I, I'm I still a human. The impression that I got was that recall. I guarantee you recall was the first animated short that they worked on. Oh, it definitely. Feels so they hadn't quite gotten the feel of what they wanted that story, what they wanted these stories to do just yet. And I think, Alive is probably a little closer to what they're looking to do, but um, I'm interested. I'm really interested in seeing the rest of these and seeing them continue to come out and what else we get. I want to see more about Widowmaker interacting with people before I make a real judgment. So far, she hasn't done much for me, but... Right. I would love to see uh, something about her backstory because her backstory is actually kind of tragic and interesting. Um, She was the wife of one of the original overwatch agents and she was kidnapped by talon they were like a terrorist group one of the big terrorist groups that overwatch was fighting over the course like after the omnic crisis was over with and um they couldn't get rid of lacroix gerard lacroix they couldn't get rid of him they kept trying and they couldn't get rid of him so to strike at him more directly they kidnapped his wife and and i think that's exactly why we're not going to see that background for much right well they programmed her as a sleeper agent and overwatch found her and brought her back and she seemed to be fine she seemed to be absolutely fine so they went back to life as normal and then two weeks later she killed her husband in her sleep and disappeared and went back to talon and talon was like all right this worked great and then they continued with what they were doing and she's got the blue skin because they did some kind of genetic something or other that slowed down her processes enough that her skin turned cold and blue and she lost all sense of emotion and there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief involved here of course but um that whole that whole background dark and cliche it's pretty dark it's pretty dark but at the same time what i want to know is was she an overwatch agent herself or was she like um oh like hawkeye's wife you know, living out in the middle of nowhere, kind of like a secret that that Gerard kept, or or you know, what was that? What went on with that? Who was Honestly, she before this? The problem is, is that she's not actually a cliche because it worked. These plans never work in the in when you in fiction. Yeah. That's actually the interesting thing is that it worked more than anything else that they successfully well, killed who they wanted. The whole oh, let's go after. No. The wife and so yeah, forth. Yeah, but that's it's a cliche something because, that happens so often. Yeah, but it doesn't work. That the hero failed, he got killed. That's the only interesting bit to me. Well, not the only interesting bit. I'm kind of interested in if she's still working for them. Well, she's still working for Talon. Yeah. yeah. Or if um, she's planning on murdering all of them or something. She's obviously still working for Talon because that's what she was doing in Alive. She was there in a Talon. Um, there was a Talon unit that was backing her up. And what's interesting about Alive, though, is what happened in it, okay? Because what people don't understand, first off, they don't understand how could a robot get assassinated? Like, would that really matter? It's a robot. Just rebuild it. The thing is, is that this particular robot, this was Takartha Mandata, and he was the leader of the Shambhali. It was basically the group that Zenyatta belonged to. I think it's a ridiculous argument anyway. Shoot your hard drive in your computer right now. It's fine, right? well the biggest the biggest thing uh the whole point of the shambali movement of that group was that they had gone up into the himalayas and kind of like pondered the nature of their own existence and come to the conclusion that they had souls they were like they were beyond robots they were beyond androids they were beyond they were beyond just simple machines they had that spark that took them from some kind of virtual intelligence 
artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it, to a creature that had like a soul. <laughs> so when they shot and killed this guy, he was the leader of that movement. And yeah, it was that that was crazy. That whole moment was crazy. Ugh. And yeah, I'm not sick of Tracer yet. So <laughs> I know. Most of, I'm, I'm not expecting anyone but me to be, but I'm just tired of her. I'm I still want to see actual like story and shorts and comics with her, but her as like the constant mascot is already a bit tiring. Because they have such a big cast of characters and I think they've they've it's picked a massive like, two cast of characters. To, they've picked two to focus on and they're not Call me when Zarya shows up and I'll be all there. So I'm actually covering Zarya this week for Know Your Lore. When I Good. overwatch this week. I'm gonna cover uh Zarya and Russia's place in the original Omnic Crisis, and then the second Omnic Crisis that everybody is talking about, and what that is, and what the fallout from that could potentially be. So, we'll be talking about that and Volskaya Industries. The Alrighty. interesting thing about Tracer, that I was me, is people in the UK who really don't like Tracer's voice. Um, as an American guy who has never lived in the UK, I passing knowledge of this. When I watch British television, some of those accents are absurd, and I can't tell the difference. Well, there's a lot of different there are regional so many dialects in dialects. Yeah, yeah there's the so UK. many in the UK, yeah. and some of them sound pretty darn close to Tracer. <laughs> I did live in England, so I'm just gonna they let the English really, talk about it. Yeah, they don't really. She they, doesn't sound that close. She sounds. She <laughs> sounds okay. I will I will give Tracer this. She sounds more plausible than the Worgen female. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. I hear something pretty close to that when I watch some British television too. Because the Worgen female is really not. No. Okay. <laughs> and then you have like the, the northern accent, which is just it's completely not different than everything accent. else. There's, there's dozens of northern accents. Yeah. Oh my god. Can we I'm gonna I'm getting away from this because send your what? angry email to Alex Zebar. <laughs> Hey, okay, when I say the northern accent, I'm referring to what I have heard people in England call the northern accent. That's all. I don't know the names Ang of these accents, Angry but when they call emails it the northern accent. Alex Zebart. Alex at Blizzard Watch. I didn't say it. Anyway, we're going to move on to emails before Alex <laughs> gets us just attacked by the British. Um, this first one is... Yeah, because that went so well for them last time. They, the last time they attacked Blizzard Watch? I don't remember them doing that. Yes. Um... Hey, folks. So this is half question, half giving Alex an extra opportunity to rant. And, oh, wow. boy. <laughs> uh, is, is it just me or did StarCraft II's story quite literally devolve in, into Warcraft uh, in space in, in place of, you know, in places? I, I feel like we spent uh, so many years waiting to find out, you know, who Duran was and what happened to the Zelnaga. Uh, and when we finally got it, it the TLDR was Zelnaga were space titans, and Duran was just the 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 Arkham, you know the Archimond is that Archimond? Yes, it is Archimond. the Archimond to the uh, cartoonishly evil star, you know Star General Star Garos. Uh, it just feels like they were um, so much potential, and it all devolved into an empty mess of retreaded uh Metzenian mythology and space magic uh many thanks arc of lightbearer malagos us uh so, Alex. yes i do feel that way um i have no idea what happened honestly uh i had I, I wrote this a bit in my short review of the first episode of nova covert ops in that starcraft 2 story was so off from what i remembered of the original starcraft in brood war that I wondered if I was just remembering the first games wrong. Uh, it's just completely different. There's, like, on the surface, there's, like, okay, yeah, the Zelnaga were in StarCraft. Like, hints of the Zelnaga. But the whole, like, space magic, naked space angel, whatever happened in StarCraft 2. Like, I don't know what happened there. But Nova Covert Ops reminded me, no, StarCraft was actually a science fiction setting at one point and not space fantasy. Um Everything that happened in StarCraft 2, to me, was just terrible. Like, I have, I don't really have any good things to say about it. It was pretty terrible. Um, Duran in particular, like, Samir Duran was the enigma of StarCraft in Brood War. Like, what's this guy up to? You know, he's doing all this genetic modification, and he's got some kind of evil plan, or, like, some kind of 
political machinations going on in StarCraft 2. It's like, nope, he's a, a space demon doing space magic stuff. And instead of him being like this conniving dude, he's a you know, mustache twirling bad guy who becomes a giant whatever he was in the final missions. Like I have no idea what happened in StarCraft 2. Um, but Nova Covert Ops is more grounded and it feels like Brood War again. And that's the part of it I enjoyed. So basically you're saying that Duran turned from Wesker into something else. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really... My wife played a ton of StarCraft. I, I didn't really. So all I really know about StarCraft is the Protoss are cool. That's it. That's what okay, I got so for you. With, okay, Samir Duran in, in StarCraft and in Brood War, he looked like just a guy. Just a Terran guy. And he was had some evil plan. He was hatching in the background. And he was doing all the genetic modification... And then in StarCraft II, he basically turned into Kill Jaden in Sunwell Plateau, where he was a giant man crawling out of a toilet. Okay. Um, how we went from Brood War to Sunwell in the same franchise, I don't know, but it was pretty awful. Okay. Uh, I got nothing. Ann, you got anything? I got nothing. Okay. We'll move on to Sassy K's email. Hard to include this one if neither of you two have anything to say about StarCraft. Because <laughs> so I already you. went on and on and on about Overwatch, so I was just giving you a chance to speak. Alex, sometimes it's we not, want to let you talk. I, I don't want to rant at the air. It's a podcast. <laughs> here to have a discussion. Hello, Sassy K here. I have a few questions about uh, your favorite choices in other Blizzard games. I'm gonna, I think we should do this like piece by piece, so here we go, first one. Okay. Diablo, what class is your favorite and why? I personally love the Witch Doctor, um, but it's also the you know only one I haven't really worked on. So, you guys favorite class Diablo? Diablo th- in Diablo three, it's the Demon Hunter by far. The aesthetic is awesome. How the abilities look are awesome, uh, which makes me wonder why Vala looks so boring in Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> okay, um, Anne. Uh, I started with a Demon Hunter, and I really really liked the Demon Hunter, and then I decided to try out Monk. And I really like playing Monk because it's just like a whirlwind of death and pain and things falling over, dying and giving me delicious things to click on. So, you know. <laughs> For Diablo 3, um, I will surprise literally no one and say the Barbarian. <laughs> uh, I actually, what's funny, too, is I like playing both Barbarians, like both male and female. And I wish to God that they could both be in the game at the same time. Like, because I, I am convinced of this. I've built up headcanon, and I'm living with it, that the female barbarian is the male barbarian's daughter. And I just imagine all this, like, you know, no, you can't cr- you can't crush them that way. I crush how I like, you know, so forth. I really both like both of them. I like their dialogue with the various companions. Uh, in Diablo 2, it's the barbarian. Uh, again, not surprising anyone. In the original Diablo, which I have played as recently as this year... Um, it's actually the the I want to say the thief. Um, it's more of an archer character, I think. And the problem I have is that, quite frankly, I played it this year, and I still confuse it with the with the Amazon. Like it's I, that hard to keep it straight for me. See, I never played Diablo. I played Diablo two, and I don't remember it well enough to tell you which class I played. For me, if it you, was if you II. listed off the classes. Yeah, I'm. What were the classes in Diablo 2? There's the uh, Amazon, the Necromancer, the Paladin, the Barbarian, and then they had the Druid and the Assassin. I don't remember. I know I'm leaving one out, but I don't remember. Was it. there a wizard or no? I think the Necromancer filled that role. The Necromancer. But filled. I don't actually. This is my problem: is I don't remember. I know there's somebody I'm not remembering. I think I played the Amazon for a while, and then I want to say that I played the Necromancer for a while too. But I think I probably stuck to the Amazon. See, for me, it was Barbarian all the way. It always has been. That's why I was so disappointed when they didn't just come out and say that the old, the male Barbarian from Diablo 3 is the Barbarian from Diablo 2. Because, come on! I think that was the original plan, yeah. but they, they didn't really didn't want to specify. It. Okay, the chat channel saying that there was a sorceress in Diablo okay. 2. Was there? I, I'm willing to accept this, but I don't remember it. If that's the case, then that's who I was playing. Because I do remember I enjoyed a class that had spell casting. I... Only tried playing Diablo 2 once, and that was that as a necromancer. I don't really know anything about it. I just remember one of the things that made me like simultaneously sad and excited for Diablo 2 was that all three of the original playable characters from Diablo appear in Diablo 2 as as demons. 
like the warrior you fight him as Diablo obviously but both the uh the, the rogue and the wizard also appear as as monsters blood raven is the original rogue <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things that just like I like the idea that you know nobody got out of Diablo nobody did <laughs> that game just you know it just chewed everyone up and spit them out but anyway next question yeah the well this one's going to be mostly Alex. Go ahead. Do you want to say what you were going to say first? Yeah, I was going to say um, I enjoyed the Demon Hunter mostly because uh, depending on the spec you pick, it turns the, your screen into a laser light show. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much why I like the Demon Hunter, and that's why I was as disappointed with Vala in Heroes of the Storm because she doesn't turn the screen into a laser light show. That's all. Okay, Starcraft, are you a diehard uh, for spe- for a specific race or a triple or double the you know threat? Is there a, a race you know you think needs more work uh, to feel more interesting? Uh, I not played StarCraft. Sorry, I like the Protoss, but I have not played the game. I was gonna say I like the Protoss, and it's solely because it's like the Dronai in space. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll admit I, that. I um I don't play StarCraft multiplayer, which is where this is mostly relevant. In campaign, you just play what they give you. But as far as what feels good to me, um because I'm fairly terrible at the gameplay i like the zerg because i can use all of the larva at the hatchery at one time if i screw up and i need units as opposed to oh i forgot to craft anything and i'm Terran and i have to make one or two marines at a time at each barracks uh zerg i just make everything at one time no problem easy that's all yeah. i know i don't play multiplayer i don't play competitive <laughs> i don't know what's good or what's bad in competitive Okay, next up is Heroes of the Storm. Are, is there any hero you feel is wrongly classified? For example, I think Taranda should not be support, but a ranged assassin. Um, I'm going to say I agree with you right there. Taranda should definitely be a ranged assassin. That's one of the things that I miss about Taranda from Warcraft 3 is everyone forgets that she rode around on a giant cat and shot arrows at people. Well, you know, uh, she, I guess mean, she's a priest, but... I think that's really the argument here is Taranda in Heroes of the Storm actually does really good damage. She has range damage and she has a healing spell and a healing ult but she also does a lot of physical damage like she fires owls and has a ranged stun and does good damage but the thing with heroes of the storm is not all of the heroes fit perfectly in the classifications there's well, like didn't warrior... we talk about didn't we talk about the the uh i can't remember her name sonia we talked about her how sonia you felt she felt more like an assassin yeah, and she's another one where she is categorized as a warrior, and typically the warrior is like the low damage, high health, beefy, slow, tanky, where Sonya is a little more fragile, but she does tons of damage. So she kind of lives in between warrior and assassin, and that's kind of where Taronda is, where she lives between support and assassin. And Heroes of the Storm has a lot of characters like that. And then you have like the specialist category, which is where they put anybody they don't know where else to put them. Uh, Heroes just doesn't stick by its categories tightly, and that's great. It makes more fun characters, but it kind of makes the categories more a suggestion than a rule. Yeah. Well, in Tyrande, I imagine that anybody that can cast any kind of a healing spell is automatically kind of thrown into that support area, aren't they? Pretty much. If you can cast a a heal or a shield on another person on your team, it's basically a support character. You're a support. Okay. Like, uh, Tassadar is considered support, but, I mean, when you watch, like, competitive play, if somebody is going with Tassadar as their only support character in a tournament, they're playing really risky, and they're very confident, because he's not, he can't really do it on his own, unless you have a game plan. Uh, typically, if people are running Tassadar, he's, like, half support, half, you know, utilities, range, damage, and then you have another support to prop him up. Right. It's it's all suggestions rather than rules. Okay. Well, th- you need less the email outs. Thank you all so much for this podcast and you know Lore Watch. You help me. You, you help get me through a, a boring workday. Sincerely, Sasuke. Well, thank you, Sasuke. Thanks. Yep. And the next email, I have to scroll down a little bit because it's very long. Uh, the next email doesn't. Oh, it's Monk. That's right. His name is Monk. Uh, quite frankly, Monk. The fact that your character's name is just Monk inspired me to roll a monk named Thelonious because (laughs) Thelonious is the best monk. Uh, Greetings, watchers. I have a question about the Scourge. We are told that there uh, must always be a Lich King, and and in order to, you know, keep the Scourge from running rampant and ravaging, you know, Azeroth, I always found this odd um, that the Scourge, you know, is presumed to be the bigger threat 
without a leader than with a leader bent on our destruction like Arthas. While uh, reading through a thread on the forums, uh, the link was you know, before we, uh, with the creative development team, uh, you know, posted answers to questions from players. I ran across this interesting quote. The ghosts of Uther and Terranus understood that the uh, scourge would run rampant without someone to keep them in check. Yes, that does mean that does also mean that Arthas and Nerzul uh, were not, you know, unlearning unleashing the full force of the scourge during their respective reigns. You are, you know, you are welcome to speculate on the reasons for that. And there's a link there, but we you know, don't need to leave that. Uh, what might the reason that Arthas and Nerzul chose, you know, to, to do this be? Uh, were they keeping part of the Scourge in reserve to use against the Burning Legion? Or you know, were parts of the Scourge army perhaps you know, occupied battling a servant of Yogg-Saron on the you know, caverns beneath Northrend? Uh, curious what your thoughts on this matter. Best wishes, Monk. Yes, that is truly the name of my Monk in WoW. Though not my main character, I just wanted to brag about having a great name. So, uh, sorry for ending you know, with an, an, an overlong parenthesis. And you can hear my parentheses voice, so there you go. Uh, Torin, female monk, spinebreaker EU. Why did they not use the full force of the of the scourge? Well, I can give you one good reason why Nerzul didn't use the full force of the scourge. He had no desire to help the Legion win. Yeah. He de- very deliberately was trying to get out from under uh, Kiljaden's thumb. He had zero desire to do what the demons wanted. He wanted out, and helping them. He only did so as much as he had to in order to keep them from, you know, yanking on his chain while they had it. He gave them exactly as much as they asked for and nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. As Wasn't for... there this whole, like, subplot thing where the Lich King intentionally lured heroes into his lair to blah, blah, blah? We're not getting, not getting there yet. The original Lich King... Um, as we said, he, he deliberately wasn't helping the Legion because he didn't want to, to the point where he actually sent Arthas over to like hint to Illidan, you know, if you ate that skull full of demon magic, and by the way, I, I don't mind at all if you, you, you know, eat Goldon's skull a lot, um, cause I don't like that guy, but if you eat that skull full of demon magic, you'll become very powerful. And I certainly would hate to see you give the Legion problems. Wink, wink, wink. You know, he wasn't, Nerzul was absolutely not at all interested in helping the Legion. He, and when he got rid of the Legion, finally, when he managed to, to balk them, he had the problem of then having to sustain himself. Because keep in mind, Nurzul didn't have a body. Nurzul's mental, like, you know... He was just essence, floating around in that helm. Yeah, which was stuck in a big, a big ice tomb. He didn't have the ability... Like, as soon as they started, you know, they got rid of the Legion, he started having immediate problems with keeping himself sustained to the point where he lost control of a huge chunk of the Scourge that became the Forsaken. Like, he was falling apart. This wasn't helped by the fact that Illidan kept coming up with new and inventive ways to screw with him. Like, Which what? was pretty funny, because it was, you know, he he basically made Illidan what Illidan was with the intent of having turning Illidan on the Burning Legion mm-hmm. to, to be another thorn in the Burning Legion's side. But Illidan tried to do what the Legion was telling him to do. And of course that was mess with the Lich King. So in a way, Ner'zhul kind of orchestrated the whole splintering of the Scourge and the Forsaken inadvertently. And plus, I mean, you know, yet again, it shows that if you have Gul'dan's skull involved, you shouldn't have Gul'dan's skull involved. It's somehow Gul'dan is going to come up with a way to, to, even if he's dead and somebody else eats his skull. Here we go again. Pieces and or body parts of Gul'dan should also never be included in anything. (laughs) As far as Arthas, uh, Arthas is what Alex is talking about when he said, you know, the whole lure heroes in thing. Arthas wasn't interested in a brute force conquest of Azeroth because Arthas wanted to prove a couple of things. The first one he wanted to prove was that anybody would have done what he did. Arthas had a huge complex about showing that, you know, his fall was inevitable, that he wasn't just too weak that anybody would have done it, that, that he, every step he took made sense and that anyone would have made those same mistakes. And he wanted people around to be king of. He didn't want an army full of mindless undead to, to show off to because they're mindless. There's no point to it. Arthas wanted thinking, feeling Scourge. Now, here's what here's they the be thing that feeling? always bothered me about this. Okay. Is within the same expansion and within media released during that expansion 
World of Warcraft flip-flopped multiple times on whether Arthas is in there or not. Uh, the Arthas no, novel, the Arthas novel made a point saying that Arthas, as in mind, as an entity, has been eradicated. The end of that novel was the death of Arthas as an entity. And then we go through the quest line in Ice Crown, where you have like this alter ego Arthas, and it's like Arthas is gone, and they they kill his heart. Like there should be nothing left of Arthas. Yet everything after that is very much Arthas is still there. Well, on two occasions you've established he's not. In two different ways you've shown that he's not. But suddenly he is, and his motivations come from Arthas. Is he there or is he not there? Mm, I just I took that to assume he's not there as an independent being, but that he's still there. But okay, I get your point. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that he's trying to... He doesn't want to have just mindless zombies obeying his will. He wants beings that can actually go, yes, he wants submission. And one of the reasons he wants to have your party for, for lack of a better word we, we call it like a raid your raid group he wants your raid group to come up and fight him because his whole plan is to then by having you go through all that stuff you will have proved a that you know he was right to do what he did more importantly b that's how you get the strongest possible people to take over the world which at least i thought was cool like when when we got to the I point thought it was interesting well when i got to the point of doing that fight and we died like the whole ring group died we, we had managed to remain unspoiled so we didn't know what was happening we thought we wiped like several people released because this was back when you could release several people released thinking oh well and then we're like no 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 don't something's going on there's an rp and i liked i'd that would never really i'd never done a fight like that before i'd never had that experience yeah um arthas was I don't know. Now that Alex has said that, I, I'm kind of like, you know, there is that part where you go and get the heart and there's Matthias Lenhair there and so forth. That's all true. That's all in the game. And honestly, I don't know. Maybe you guys, what do you, do you guys think it's a case of them not having read the book or the book wasn't done yet when they wrote the, the quests or what? What do you think? I think that, well, partially, probably partially a little bit that because the thing is, is like the novels are created and written sort of independently of the game and while people who work on the novels are sort of aware of what's going on in the game you're never fully aware of what's going on and any changes you know that book once that book is completed and you send it to the publisher and they go okay everything's approved we're going to go ahead and send this to print you're no longer able to make changes to it it's but there. Even if it's you set ignore stone, the book. No, wait, hold on. I'm not done yet. It's there. It's set in stone. It's done. There's no changes you can make to that book. But while that book is being printed and published and all that other stuff is going on, they're still able to make changes to the game and they may make changes to that game that are completely contradict whatever was in that book you just wrote. So you can't really take the two of them. Y you kind of do because it's canon, but at the same time, it's like, well, there's got to be some kind of rational explanation between both of these, and sometimes there's not an explanation. It's just, Except oops. What's the, the stuff with his heart in the game doesn't contradict the book. It's exactly in line with the book. It's only what happens in Ice Crown that contradicts the quest in Ice Crown, the zone, and the book. It contradicts itself within the game. I think, Like they said, Arthas when... is dead. Oh, no, wait, he's, he's not oh, dead. See, here's the problem, though. I, the people I, that said that Arthas is dead in the quest are not infallible people who know exactly what they're talking about. Heck, Tyrion doesn't know anything. Tyrion was the one who destroyed that heart, and Tyrion had like no place to Arthas? do it. The kid was, I like to think... It's Arthas Menethil, spelled differently. Right, but I like to think that the kid was kind of the manifestation of Arthas's compassion and humanity. It wasn't... It wasn't Arthas himself, like completely Arthas. It was like that last spark of humanity that had him able to feel any kind of compassion or guilt over what he had done or anything like that. It was just, it was then there. Then if he didn't feel anything, he wouldn't have felt any compulsion to prove himself to us by luring us into his grand trap. No, because you're arguing that compassion is the only thing you'd want, you'd feel. Proving that you're a superior doesn't isn't a compassionate response. It's an arrogant response. But again, again, arrogance is also a feeling. I think that that, like I said, you know, when 
when you shatter Arthas's heart, it's not so much, oh, this was the beating thing that was in Arthas's chest. It's more like this is the physical representation of Arthas's humanity. It it was it was what then made what him destroy his humanity. Because Tyrion was an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, Tyrion we was like Tyrion was like, oh well, here's this piece, here's this heart. You know what? This heart doesn't make any difference because there's no way to cleave it to Arthas or or change what what the Lich King has become. So we're just going to destroy it. Let's just flat out destroy it. And he made that call and he shattered that heart. And the moment he shattered that heart was the moment that he guaranteed that the Lich King would never be anything, even remotely resembling Arthas, ever again. Somewhere, somewhere in that story, at some point, something is screwy. I'm willing to accept that. Um, for in point of fact, one of the interesting things, and it's a Legion spoiler, but there's something in one of the Death Knight artifacts that touches upon this in a way. And, and that's I all think, I'm going to say. I think, as far as Arthas's plans and taking us up to the Frozen Throne and letting us fight, that was a very analytical decision. That was a very I need the strongest people in my army. And what's the best way to get the strongest people? Make them fight their way to me. Once they prove and that they can fight their way to me, then I can just snuff them out in an instant. That, once I do that, I have the strongest warriors on my side and I can turn around and overrun Azeroth. Not with mindless undead. If, they could, might, if he could already overrun Azeroth, let, let he could have finish. everyone. Jeez, just let her finish. She was talking. He wants to overrun the world. He doesn't want to overrun the world with a bunch of mindless undead because mindless. the problem with mindless things is they can break free and they can develop their own sense of what's right, what's wrong, or vengeance, sheer vengeance. He already had that proven to him by the emergence of the Forsaken. He already had that proven that they were capable of turning against him when they did that at the Wrathgate. They weren't just trying to kill the Alliance and the Horde. They were also trying to take out the Lich King himself because they had broken free. He doesn't want them to break free. So he needs to rule the Scourge with an iron fist. And the best way to do that is with Azeroth's best heroes fighting for him, not against him. It's a logic thing. It's totally a cold logic thing. But he also lost his Death Knights. He did lose his Death Knights. So whether and that was a Tyrion thing. <laughs> whether he has the mindless hordes or the greatest warriors, he lost both of them. See, I'd I'd be willing to argue that he probably does blame Tyrion for that, I as think opposed that to them. Is, yeah, it, it, he blames Tyrion for it, and it's kind of his last gambit. I I also find it kind of interesting too that 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 whole sequence when everything is said and done, when it's all over with, and the Lich King is defeated, you see Arthas's spirit. What's left of it? And he says, blatantly, he says, I see only darkness. He doesn't go on to the afterlife. He doesn't go on to wherever humanity is supposed to go because he already extinguished that part of his person. There's there's nothing left for him now. He's just gone. And, and that's kind of sad. <laughs> I think that, that specifically, I think, is the bleakest part of of World of Warcraft, that there is an afterlife, but sometimes you don't get to go. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like the thought that, that Rossi had where he was, like, trying to prove in his own sort of sadistic way that the path that he had chosen was, in fact, the correct path. Well, you see that from the very first time you see him in, in World of Warcraft. I mean, yeah, it, it's, well, not the very first time you see him in, in the expansion, if you're Alliance. Yeah, and, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, he was fighting so hard to do the right thing that he in inevitably it was inevitable that he ended up becoming the wrong thing. And that whole fight that we have in Wrath of the Lich King is almost in a way him teaching us that lesson. Do I think it was deliberate? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe he might have gotten that idea because of what happened to him, because he was so strong and he was so like, indomitable he was he was like this you know example of heroism he was one of the best fighters that lord run had at that point in time but even then no matter how hard he fought he still fell and the harder he fought the harder he fell he fell so hard he ended up the leader of the scourge yeah and there's a definitely like like i said before you have that whole bit where you run into him uh in howling fjord yeah 
and he does that, you know, his little, there's a little part where he does a little chuckle and he says, I was a shaman once. And that and was near Zool. <laughs> that was near Zool. That's why I keep thinking that it's not that Arthas died in, in Arthas, Dawn of the Lich King, so much as Arthas as an independent being died. He merged. He, yeah, like he there, was, wasn't, there wasn't a near Zool. something new. And the reason that I say this, that I think that this is the case, is because of that Lich King, of that Death Knight artifact. There's a very specific moment where you see a certain thing that, that I think works there, and I can't. I, that whole story, that whole story in Wrath, it still kind of gets to me. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, the expansion had its faults. Every expansion has its faults. Even Mr. Pandaria had its faults, even though I loved it to pieces, you know. I but still think... I liked Arth- the story. I still think Arthas would have been fine, and none of this would have happened if Uther wasn't so spectacularly... <laughs> well, there's like... I honestly, going back to Wrath, and I know we move on, but you know, one well, of the things that gets me. This is interesting. We can keep talking about it. One of the things that gets to me is that if you if you look at the story of Wrath of the Lich King and you look at Arthas's involvement in it, um, the very first time you see him is that time in Borean Tundra. I mean, in Halling Fjord, unless you don't see it, but the very first time he really interact with him at all is atop um, Gundrak, yeah. not Gundrak, uh, Drakthar Keep. Yeah. And when you're basically You've been helping a guy all the way through the dungeon, and it turns out you're helping the Scourge. Yeah. You know, and Arthas is like, you know, I will allow you to live for this amusing moment of betrayal. And that's then you see him again, uh, actually in the zones, uh, you know, the the zone itself, um, when you're, uh, you basically betray the guy that betrayed you, uh, Drekduru. Is that his name? Drekuru. Drekuru, yeah. And, you you know, after you do that, Arthas is like, yes. Aces, I really like that. You did really well. And to me, it feels like everything Arthas, every time you interact with Arthas directly in the game, people are always like, he always runs away. And, you know, I get your point. Yes, he shows up, but you don't fight him. He just lets you live. And But the whole point is, to him, it's a, it's a, it's a teacher-student relationship. And it goes back to the original trailer. Do you remember the original trailer? Not the, not even a trailer, but the BlizzCon thing, where he's like, young heroes, I was once like you. Yes. And that, to me... That thing should have been somewhere in the game because that thing right there, that's the whole thing. Arthas doesn't see this as – he doesn't see his role as the Lich King to you know, just conquer the world with undead because if he wanted that, he would have done that. He would have just sent undead and waves and waves until everybody was dead. He, but he was looking for – he saw himself as the Lich King. And how did he know how to be a king? Terranus. Terranus was the only example of kingdom he, kingship he had because none of the other kings were worth squat. Look at Gen Greymane. You want to be like him? Guy who goes and hides? No. You want to be like, um, you know, the Trollbanes? Who are, you know, Doris, Tro- Doris Trollbane was a loudmouth, arrogant jerk. You don't want to be like him. No, he's got Terranus. Terranus is this shining example of how to be a king, how to care about your people. And even though Arthas had completely fallen, he's still trying to be Terranus. He's just trying to be the only way he can. You he know, didn't he, create the Alliance of Lordaeron. He created the Alliance of Scourge. Yeah, and you even see it like in that bit where in the actual trailer for Wrath of Lich King where Terranus is talking to him. And it's like, it's all words that Terranus said, you know, when he'd be, he thought his son would grow up to be king of Lordaeron. And I know you will exercise restraint when using your great power. And he does. Everything you hear Terranus say to him is something that he does, just twisted. Because he doesn't know how else to do it. And that's so he brings up when you come to, to, to Northrend, he sees you as, you know, he wants to use you to help conquer the world. But more importantly, you're his future subjects. You're his, for lack of a better word, you're his round table. You are the, the peers on which he's going to build his kingdom. Of course, he wants to he wants to educate you. He wants to show you this is how to do it. And I, it's one of the things I found fascinating about it. But it's it really isn't conveyed well actually in the game like because he just it does feel an awful lot that he just shows up twirls his mustache and leaves because you don't get that sense of you know fellowship that he's trying to project onto you he's trying to make you his friends for lack of a better word and that to me is the is the grimmest part of it all is with his heart gone with his you know soul ravaged by the evil that he has committed and the evil that he has allowed to you know occupy his life his kingdom is a kingdom of mindless corpses he's got nothing and he's still trying to prove somewhere in him is still trying to prove, no, it was all the right thing to do. 
that to me is what fascinates me about the thing. I, I get what Alex is saying. I get his objections and there some of them I can't refute. Like there is a lot of contradictory back and forth on whether or not Arthas is still in there, but I always felt like he was. And fundamentally, Uther just had to suck less. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, my question is simply this. When you see Uther and he talks to Sylvanas and not Jaina, like what is that conversation? That is like, did they know each other at all? Like, I don't know. Weird. I, I always felt like someone else could have been like, good job. Yeah, you like, did great. Ar- Arthas is like, Uther, plague is killing everybody. We have to do something. Uther's like, no, really. Arthas like, okay, well, I don't have any better ideas, so I'll just kill the people that are plagued. Uther's like, no, don't. Okay, Uther, <laughs> what should we do instead? Nothing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Uther. Get with it. Make a decision. <laughs> if nobody else has any suggestions, I'm going to do the only thing I've got. It's like, well, you live with that, Arthas. Like, what are you doing, Uther? Yeah, but to be Help fair, me though, out. As as we've learned when we ran that dungeon, Arthas is only solution to everything. The only way he can help you is with a clean death. And that's not always useful. When a guy needs my stuff, I don't want him to help me with a clean death. I want him to pick up the couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Uther just said, look, if you take one end and I take the other and we lift with our legs, it'll be okay. <laughs> But Uther's All Uther's just like just, Uther doesn't say that. Uther says, "Don't hit the couch. Don't hit it. Don't don't How damage it." How else do you it. move it, Uther? I don't know. Just don't hit it. You can't damage uh. it. We're not allowed to damage it or touch it because if we touch it, we might damage it, and we don't want to do that. Well, then how are we supposed to move it? I don't know, but we can't damage it. I honestly, I'll admit that I don't know why Uther didn't just say, "Look, they're going to. We can't kill them on the presumption that they're going to get plagued." As horrible as this is, if they come out with the plague, we can at least kill them because they are plagued. Why don't we, like, you know, have some kind of, like, internment? Like, close it it's off. It's an internment camp! Close <laughs> it off. The orcs going, no, no. All of the orcs are like, yeah, that was a great idea. Um, I'm moving on to Sun Tiger's email because we have to, like, at least... You I was going to say, do you want me to read that or you got it? I should be all right. Okay. This one is from Sun Tiger. That's going to be your last one, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also somewhat long, so. Greetings. I'm a bit confused by some things. As, as, as we've established, so are we, apparently. Uh, as far as I understand, lore-wise, the people of Stormwind had a statue built in honor of Varian when their king returned to them. In the same vein, the members of the Argent Crusade built statues of Tyrion to honor his leadership and actions in the campaign against Arthas. Nowhere lore-wise have I seen any indication that they commissioned the statues themselves. Yet every time I encounter this, you know, outside of the game, people say they were the ones that, you know, ordered the statues built. Is it a joke? Uh, or does do people really believe Varian and Tyrion ordered the statues built? Uh, the tone is often joking, but I, I've also seen, you know, numerous complaints slash arguments that it's another sign of their bad leadership that they they spend their time, you know, ordering statues built instead of doing, you know, something about a problem of the problems in their lands. Tyrion, Reese, Sylvanas, and the Forsaken's aggressive, camp, you know, expansion and cataclysm, and Varian, re the bad situation of the uh, home of the homeless uh, in Westfall. Have I missed something where it says that they're the you know ones that ordered the statues built? Uh, I think we can just answer that one first. Okay. Uh, um, I'll just read this bit. Similarly, I've always understood the vision that you get of the Lich King's fall at the fount- at the fountain in T- Dalaran to be purely a meta thing for the players. Uh, lore-wise, there is no vision, and only Tyrion, Sylvanas after Edge of Night, and the DKs uh, returning, you know, there in Legion actually knows uh, Bolvar is the new Lich King. Well, and the players that were actually there. Uh, take care and keep up the good work, Sun Tiger. Well, yes. It's true that the statue does not actually make everybody who walks up to it have a vision. That is, in fact, a joke that the people of who play World of Warcraft tell. That that part is a joke. Um, yeah. It's for the statues. I There's nothing that states they ordered them built their, themselves, but historically, that tends to be what happens. Even if they didn't? Let's assume for a moment that Tyrion never said, build me a statue. He also never said, what are you doing? Don't build a solid gold statue of me. Like, and don't if, put another one uh, in West Western Plaguelands. Don't put a third one in the Eastern Plaguelands. <laughs> he has statues all over the place now. There's there's a certain amount of expense and time. For one thing, you have to find a sculptor. 
and you usually you commission said sculptor to show you give me a sketch or something what's the statue going to look like it's going to look like you know at no point if Tyrion is at no point able to say guys 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 enough statues that implies that he's not really paying attention as a leader you, you see what i'm saying if they built three statues of him at least around the third time guys what did I tell you about statues? Oh, maybe, just maybe we're going a little overboard with this whole statue thing. No, he never said that. Yeah. He just let them go on with their statue I mean, and they set one up outside of his house. And he's like, cool. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> I walk outside of my home and there's me. You know, and to a certain degree, obviously, yes. To a degree, you can argue Tyrion deserved it because he you know, helped stop the Lich King. Although, really, all he did was stand there while I did all the work, quite frankly. But I digress. Um I may be a little bitter about heroic Lich King attempts, but anyway, uh, in terms of Varian, his statue, I, I honestly am a lot less irked by Varian's statue because uh, it's one of those things where they were redesigning the keep anyway. They're going to be building something like because the keep. I don't know if you noticed between you know Warcraft and you know, when, when Cataclysm came out, the keep changed. It got a lot bigger and a lot more grand. So yeah, okay, throw a statue in. And the statue of him in Borean Tundra is very much part of the keep. Like, I don't really feel like Varian necessarily had a lot to do with that one. For one thing, it's him in his gladiator outfit. That's just weird. Yeah, I don't I don't see him commissioning that. Like, honestly, I, I can't imagine, like, he'd be like, and make sure it's in my gladiator outfit, because you know how much I love that. No, I just, it's just weird. But Tyrion, the fact that there is a solid gold statue of him in Dalaran has always kind of messed with my head. But yes, yeah, um, technically they didn't actually commission these statues. I mean, it, it's entirely possible they did. I mean, Roman emperors did this. Like, okay, make a statue of me. Uh, I want it in the city, the city square. Give me huge muscles. Yeah, but keep make me look like a gladiator. <laughs> you know, you know that emperors actually did that as part of the votive offering, though. They 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 did that because they believed upon death they would be deified. Um, one assumes also Tyrion a lot of, a lot does of not propaganda. Think yeah, propaganda as well, yes, but it was the the votive offering is in fact part of propaganda. The belief that the Roman emperor would be deified is propaganda. That they used basically like, okay, I get that you don't want you don't want to pray to me as you're the emperor. You want to pray to your gods that you already had, but I'm going to be one of them. So it's totally cool. So, to pray. so now you have kings yeah. in World of Warcraft having gladiator statues of themselves. I don't think at any point Varian is saying I'm no, going to I, be a god. But. I don't think Varian would have commissioned the gladiator one, potentially. Yeah. The one where he doesn't look like a gladiator. Um, I'm, and given he's a king, I let him slide, and he doesn't boast about it. Tyrion, I think I started joking about him and his statues, because Tyrion often seems quite full of himself for somebody who's supposed to be a humble paladin. Yeah. Look, he came all that way from eating maggots in the woods. He's just proud of himself. I just imagine, <laughs> I just imagine the Tyrion forging version has started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> I just imagine that, like, secretly at sometimes, that's why he's staying up there in. Um, oh my gosh, what's the name of the place he's in now? Hearthglen. Yeah, he's up in Hearthglen. The reason he he's all secluded up there is because that's where he can go ahead and like get access to maggots and <laughs> like he eats them quietly in his own home because honestly he really developed a taste for them all i can say for Tyrion fordering is that you know alas you are victorious that was it i was done yeah <laughs> if, if i may go wildly off topic for a moment i watch okay keep in mind uh, that this is the end of the show so that's fine um i watch uh good mythical morning on youtube it's written link uh, a few don't know of Rhett and Link, you probably do. You just don't know it if you've been on the internet for any length of time. They have this morning talk show, Good Mythical Morning, and they do food episodes where they eat weird foods and so forth. And I just recall in one episode they ate donuts with live mealworms on them. And that always reminds me of Tyrion Fordring. Because uh. it's be all over that. Chocolate donut with worms? <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> okay. This is fantastic. The maggots really add something here. Now that Anne said that, Anne... <laughs> Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. 
Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matthew Rossi. I'm your host. Uh, hope to, well, I won't be here next week, but please come back next week and, you know, we'll have a show for you. Uh, thank you very much and have a great week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.